Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 14th, 2019 and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book Alcoholics Anonymous and we are in the chapter How It Works. We are on page 60 starting with the third paragraph being convinced. We're going to read through two paragraphs ending with more likely to have varied traits, and we're going to ask for comments on both those paragraphs. Today's readers are, and thanks for your service, the 12 steps of OA is Bonnie M., the 12 traditions of OA is Pat M.S., and readers of the text are Du L., Russ M., and Anita J. The reference numbers for yesterday's special edition, Sunday, October 6, 2019, is 13,513. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study meeting, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I am now going to ask Bonnie M. to please read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Bonnie. Hi, good morning. This is Bonnie M. This is the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Heaven had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps 
We try to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Bonnie M. <clears throat> I will now ask Pat M.S. to please read the 12 traditions. Pat, please go ahead. Okay, good morning. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first, number one. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are the trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other OA, other OA as a whole, other groups of OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees they directly responsible to those they serve. I'm sorry. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for allowing me to be of service. Thank you, Pat MS. How our meeting works. Our meetings our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 60, starting with the third paragraph, Being Convinced. We're going to read through two paragraphs, ending with more likely to have varied traits, and we are welcoming comments on both. And I'm now going to ask Du L to please begin reading. Du, please go ahead. Good morning, uh, Du L, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Being convinced, we were at step three. 
which is that we decided to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody. Even though our motives are good, most people try to live on self-propulsion. Each person is like the actor who wants to run on the sh- uh, wants to run the whole show. Is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballast, the scenery, the rest of the players in his own way. If this arrangement would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. And again, I'm do Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Um, Set my timer here. So here, what are we being convinced of? And it's going to tell us what we're being convinced of. As a matter of fact, we've had page 58 all the way to 60, giving us cliff notes of what we need to be convinced before making this decision. Um, Some people may see that as part of step two. Other people may see that as part of step three, the beginning of of step three. And both are okay. Both are right, right? Because it gives us a summary prior to that, that step one needs to be taken, that you need a power greater than yourself, and that you need that power now to work in your life. So now they're going to go into the requirements of how this works, right? The whole chapter is how it works. So they're going to give us the requirements. If there's a first requirement, then there's got to be a second requirement or a third requirement. So the first requirement, it says that we need to be convinced that life run on self-will can be hardly a success, that we're always getting into uh, conflicts chaos, collision with other people with our motives. And they could be good motives, they could be bad motives, but whatever our motives are, if we're trying to control things, then we're delusional even when we're using good characters or bad, or, or characters that may not be as, as good, right? So I could be considerate, patient, generous, modest, self-sacrificing, or I could be egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. Right. But if I'm using them to manipulate or to um, or to have personal gain, then I'm setting myself up, you know, to upset and pain. So I must take myself and my wants and my needs out of the equation. Right. Uh, And being able to work this spiritual plane. And how do I work this spiritual plane? You know, it says that any time that I'm in self-will is the way I run my life without letting God in and letting him guide me, you know, into what I need to do in order to get this recovery. So it says also that, you know, that is the self-will is what I want, when I want it and how I want it. And a lot of times what I'm doing is I'm orchestrating that to, to, 
you know, to do my own thing and not let God in. And so now it's telling me the first requirement, I have to let go of that. And it's going to show me precisely exactly how to let go of the self-will so that God can enter more fully into my life so that he can work more better with me so that I can get the recovery that I need. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do. Okay, before I take down names, I'm just going to remind everybody we are on um, page 60 of the Big Book Alcoholics Anonymous. We're in the third paragraph, um, being convinced. We read through two paragraphs, um, ending with more likely to have varied traits and comments on both those paragraphs. Um, and the recommendation is if you haven't shared in a couple of days, so please go ahead and share, and uh, I'll take your names. Go ahead. This is Larry K. Jason K. Larry. Larry, Jason. Lauren A. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This is Lois Smith. Hang on one second. Um, There were several people before you. So the people that I've heard so far are Larry K., Jason mm, T., maybe. Jason, you're going to have to correct me. Uh, Stacy T. Who else? Well, it said their name, but I didn't hear. Okay. F? Francine S. I'm sorry, what was your name? Francine S. Okay, Francine. And I think there were a few people uh, before Francine spoke up. Lauren A. One more. Lauren A. Okay, we're going to go with that then. So we have Larry K. Jason, is it T? Maybe it's K. I don't remember. Uh, Stacy T, Beth W, Lauren A, I believe, and Francine S. So if you're not Larry K, please press star one to unmute. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Larry K, recovered, uh, calling from Chicago. Uh, thanks so much, um, Du, for getting us started. It says on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. On what basis? Well, they're talking on the basis of life run on self-will. What I need to remember, and I was taught early on, is the world and the people in it are not going to judge me by my intentions. Rather, it's, it's in my actions that my fellow human beings uh, know me. And in, in my profession, you know, it's, it reminds me, it's, it's not the physical abuse necessarily that's most prevalent in society, although that's certainly a horror. But I'll tell you what's that most emotional abuse, you know, goes goes unnoticed and unreported. And I, I mention that only because I can relate to it. You know that um, that a lot of times, you know, that that I was that person of emotional abuse, and I didn't think so. I thought I was on solid ground because it, and it was hard to recognize because it was very subtle. And sometimes being abusive, you know, I would I would blame the victim because they, they acted in a way that I thought was inappropriate or they did something. And, um, and, and, you know, in this program, if it's taught me anything, it's taught me that a person can certainly be aware of God, but nonetheless disconnected from God's power and God's grace. And I'll tell you that for me, a life disconnected from God, you know, meant that I would continue to emotionally abuse others. Sometimes it was through detachment of love. Sometimes it was direct character assassination. I was like a very subtle surgeon with a knife, 
and it wouldn't even you wouldn't even know. And here's something more in my experience. See, an abusive person can be loving between abusive episodes so that they can deny or forget them. And, you know, you may have had a, you know, I had healthy relationships for comparison in some cases. And when the abuse took place in private, there was no witnesses to validate that that experience took place. And the one thing about it as we approach three that I'm reminded is that what I was looking for was to control. And I did it from a place of fear, you know, fear that things would spiral out of control, although they would, I'd go to great lengths to convince myself of loftier motives. So, you know, what I'm reminded here is that, you know, being in a recovered state, sure, the food is down. I don't have a desire to eat, but I have to remember that part of the evidence is there's love in my heart. You know, I'm not perfect, but there's unequivocal evidence that part of this transformation is above everything else, not the physical right sizing, the restoration of relationships, all that stuff is great. But the number one thing is I've ceased fighting anything or anyone. And that happened by God's grace and mercy. There's kindness and love that emanates from someone in a recovered state. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Larry Kay. Next up, Jason Kay, followed by Stacy T. Hey, good morning, Jason. Hey, good morning. Jason Kay, as in Kite, recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic outside of Philadelphia. Um, and I love this, being convinced. Um, and they just laid out three propositions that summarize all the pages up of and everything they've come uh, to discuss in the big book up to now. And they spend a lot of time trying to convince us of step one and two, because they say, you know, we try every form of delusion and self-deception to not admit that we're compulsive eaters. Um, And what this book is really telling us, we have this fatal progressive illness and that our best efforts, our willpower, and I used to try, I used to try mightily and I would, Um, bear down and I would try to marshal my will and make up my mind for good and for all that I'm going to put the food down. But guess what? This is telling us and it summarizes us, it summarizes it very nicely. Points A, B, and C. We can't, we can't. No matter how hard I try, it's only a matter of time, even if I manage somehow to put the food down um, to eat on a, a sane and reasonable food plan, even if I cut out, you know, my alcoholic foods and substances at some point, I will go back unless I, I turn um, fully, wholly towards God. And this says being convinced. And now that's kind of an innermost self thing. That's something, and, and usually when I'm looking at sponsees and I'm looking at people and, and, and I wonder if they're convinced, I look at their actions, not just their words. Are they calling? Are they um, making outreach calls? Do they do the writing assignments? Are they in the book? Are they calling on time? Are they truly convinced? Uh, And and these propositions, you know, once you really, really accept them, you know, deep down, you know, in our heart, in our gut, you know, we feel this in our bones that we're totally convinced. You see people that are willing to go to any lengths. And for me, that's what really changed my recovery. I came to a point where I said I was willing to go to any length. So if you're new in this or if you're two years, 10 years, maybe maybe I shouldn't speak to 10 years because I don't have it. But at two years, I'm even asking myself today. Am I truly convinced of these propositions? Do I really, really believe that? And just a little bit of uh, a fun fact in the original manuscript, Bill wrote, if you're not convinced of these vital issues, you ought to reread this book to this point or else throw it away. So it's, it's stop, ask yourself, am I really, really convinced? And if you are, we're going to start to look at what a life on self-propulsion looks like and the, the 
the image of self-propulsion that I like is if you blow up a balloon and then you just let it go. There's all this frantic effort and it spins and it turns and eventually it just uh, is dead on the floor, just laying some, somewhere. And that's what life on self-propulsion is. And, and, you know, and I think like, you know, and this is how I play God. I, I stand back in judgment and I say, this person should do this and this person should do that and they should go there. You know, I would even have opinions. This person shouldn't die Fine, at this time. Um, and all this will become really, really clear in step four when it comes down in paper and just at a time. Thank you, Jason K. All right, next up we have Stacy T, followed by Beth W. Stacy, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. Stacy T in Cleveland. And <clears throat> there's so much to uh, unpack about this. And what I mostly want to hone in on is the, the um, relief that I've felt the first time I read this, that um, as with most humans, I have varied traits of being kind and loving and coming from a good place and um, also angry and egotistical, selfish and dishonest. I'm grateful to know that later in the book I'm going to be taught how to deal with some of that, but that's another example of the, for me, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And um, the lengths that I was willing to go to to try to have things go my way is astonishing to me looking back, um, especially into years before I ever knew about um, 12-step work, OA, et cetera, and that I have a script. And the problem is that people aren't following it. And every single day, I uh, pray and practice to make a decision um, to let go of the script that I have. Um, it's getting better as time moves forward, and I have some daily actions to help me with that. And I am grateful for my humanity being laid out in in what we read today. And um, I was told that I was weak-willed when I was a young girl and that I could hardly be a success. And self-will to me back many, many decades ago was an asset. And so a deconstruction of self is continuing to parallel where we are with this step. And I'm grateful to be able to be reminded that I'm one among many. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Stacey T. Next up, we'll have Beth W. followed by Lauren A. Beth, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Beth W. from <clears throat> very snowy, snowy Bismarck, North Dakota, a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, any life run on self-will can hardly be accessed that basis that we're almost in collision, almost always in collision with something or somebody, you know, um, that was me. And I remember um, somebody saying to me, when are you going to stop fighting? And um, there was always a little bit of fight left in me just constantly. And, and I'm reminded that on page 84, um, the promises that come with the 10th step say, 
you know, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, food, whatever. And those promises come true. Um, and, uh, and I can take my will back on any given day, any moment, um, and then I can, and then I can uh, pray, pause, pray, and, and invite God back into my day. And, and yesterday was not such a great day. I, I was heading out to work early, and um, a, a car ran a red light and nearly took me out in the process. And it was really scary. And, <clears throat> you know, so that word collision <laughs> felt loud to me. You know, it wasn't in my head. It was in reality. And, um, and then that set me off for kind of the whole day because I was scared. And when I get scared, I forget that I am safe and protected. Um, and that I have a power greater than myself that walks with me every single day, regardless of my circumstances. Um, and, and it took me quite a few hours um, before I could, I could surrender again. I was self-propulsed. I was in self-propulsion for quite a few hours, just getting through, getting through, getting through, um, before I could stop and, and, and pause and pray and uh, and really remember what um, what is what is real in my life, and that is not my circumstances, but but that that my higher power is is what's real, and and my momentary um, fears are not real. Um, there may be circumstances that are a problem, and and but I'm never ever ever alone. And, uh, and those 10-step promises come true when I stay connected to the God of my understanding. And I do that through working these 12 steps all the time and taking time every single day for prayer and meditation. And I had done that, um, but still, it's easy to forget. And uh, so I come back all the time to these, uh, to these time, steps. Time, please. And that's my time, and I will pass. Thanks. Thank you. Just a reminder before we get to our next share, we are on page 60 in the chapter, How It Works. We read two paragraphs, starting with the third paragraph, Being Convinced. We're reading through two paragraphs, starting with, uh, ending with More Likely to Have Varied Traits. And we're going to um, have Lauren A. and then Francine S. Lauren, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Lauren A. in Minnesota. Um, thanks for calling on me. So we're at step three, which to me is the most important step to uh, get and stay recovered. It it makes pretty clear here, especially in the ABCs right before what we read, that um, here's what works, that's relying on God, and here's what doesn't, and that's self. And my sponsor just recently had me um, look for the word self. And so I used a green highlighter, and there is a lot of green in the next few pages, self, 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 and sometimes it's ourselves, but... Um, so that's what doesn't work, and relying on God does. And I'm going to read something out of the OA step book on the last paragraph of step, or yeah, last paragraph of step three. Once we compulsive overeaters truly take the third step, we cannot fail to recover. That's a really powerful promise. We cannot fail. What? Um, so I did fail repeatedly. So I'm going to turn that sentence around. If we haven't taken 
the, the third step come. Or, or if we do fail to recover, then it's because we have not truly taken the third step. So that was me for decades. I did not, I did not give it to God for, for any, you know, I never truly took it. I never truly gave it to God. I thought I did. I uh, pretended I did. I believed I did, but I, but I hadn't. And I, and I had some periods of abstinence, but no true recovery till I really, really, really gave it away. And so I have to stay there. And so I stay there by doing 4 through 9, 10, 11, 12, and remembering step 3 all the time that I can't, God will, I'll, I'll let him. Um, and if there's something else going on with me, maybe it's not the food, maybe there's something else. The, the last speaker brought up fear, and I think that's an awesome thing for me to remember is um, if I'm in fear, oops, that's self, that's not God. If I'm in controlling, that's another thing. I'm in self, not God. If I'm in judging, that's self, that's not God. So I have to, you know, back it up and say, oops, I'm not, I shouldn't be the driver here. That's God. So that's all I have. I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Lauren A. All right, next up we'll have Francine F. And then we'll take another round. Francine, please go ahead. Hello, this is Francine Smith, Recovering Compulsive Eater. Sorry, Francine S. Um, I'm in the Denver area. And I am at step three. Um, and when I read more likely to have varied traits, my greatest of the varied traits is fear. In fact, I am so fearful that when I was in the military, people commented how great I was in emergencies. While emergencies were, oh, good, now the penny is dropped. I, you know, the pressure was off of me in emergencies, not on me in emergencies. But I am convinced that a life run on fear can hardly be a success. On that, I pass. Thank you very much for your service. Have a good day. Thank you, Francine. All right, before I take another round of names, I just want to remind everyone, we are in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 60, starting with being convinced. We are reading through two paragraphs, ending with, more likely to have varied traits. And the recommendation is that if you haven't shared in a couple days, you please go ahead and give me your first name so I can write write it down. Okay, I'm sorry. My pen and my brain. Okay, I have Lisa B, Kelly S, Edini M. Who did I miss? Kathy Joe P. Cindy M. Okay, I'm sorry, friends. I, I've got a group, and I know I missed some of you, so we've got another round, thank God. Whew. Okay, I have Lisa B., Kelly S., Edini M., Kathy Joe P., Anita J., and Cindy M., and we'll get everybody else on the next round. So, Lisa B., please go ahead. I apologize for not hearing everybody. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I just really felt led to speak up 
really to claim my seat, to say how grateful I am to be a part of this wonderful meeting. Um, step three, uh, you know, I continue to deepen my understanding of step three. I didn't really understand the true meaning of step three until I moved on in the steps. But, you know, we're, we're understanding what we're reading here. It's telling me, it's teaching me things, and that's what this big book does. It teaches me things, but it must be an experiential process. And until I really get into the action part of the program, you know, to break that bondage of self-will, which is what blocks me from my higher power. And I didn't really understand the depth and weight of that self-imposed crisis, you know, I'm borrowing a line from the big book, that I had created, I had created inside of me, and I can still go there. And my program often is a moment-by-moment basis, and my higher power is found in the moment. Freedom is in the moment. It's in the now. And... Um, I lost my train of thought, but you know, there can be a prison inside of my thoughts and no one will know what's going on. I could be condemning people. I could be isolating myself in, in, in the midst of a group. I can be in a room full of people and be just totally isolated by the thoughts going on inside of my head, you know, but I can have a smile on my face and I can look great and I can even be interacting with you, but inside there's a self-imposed crisis. So I just wanted to share that today, as a recovered person, I can still go to that place, and I need to tap into all of the steps to live in freedom and stay in freedom. And I wanted to also share that the AA 12 and 12, Step 3, is a valuable tool. I started reading it a little bit this morning, and I'm going to finish it. And it just gives a little bit of a deeper look at this step, what Bill writes as an essay of this step. But this is... um, a step that's a beginning process of understanding that I must make a decision to turn my will, which are my thoughts and my life, my actions, over to the care of God. And how do I do that? By moving on in the steps and, of course, doing all of this in entire abstinence. And that's always done on um, the honesty, moment by moment. And I need uh, all of my steps, step 10, 11, and 12, to keep me plugged in and linked. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. All right, next up we'll have Kelly S. followed by Edini M. Kelly, good morning. Good morning, Katie. It's Kelly S., a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic in Oklahoma. Uh, glad to be on the lines and really glad to be in these paragraphs because this is my life. Um, so the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. You know, it makes me think of the first part of step one, um, or not the first part, the uh, second part, the dash. You know, my life is unmanageable. That's the part, you know, I'm like, I'm powerless over food. Well, there's the second part of that. Dash, my life is unmanageable. And why is my life unmanageable? Because it's being run completely on self-will. And as it says, it's not a success. And I'm trying to run the whole show. So, yeah, here we are at steps one, two, and three, right? But I'm going to tell you guys, you know, I've got four and a half years of recovered abstinence. I'm doing the work. I'm working the steps. And 99.999% of the time, I'm back right here. I'm, I'm directed back to these pages, some days worse than others, you know, depending on my spiritual fitness. And, um, you know, because I'm trying to arrange the play. If I am unhappy, if I am disturbed, you know, it's kind of like that spiritual axiom it talks about in the AA 12 and 12. If I'm disturbed, it is something with me. Something in me needs to be uh, looked at. 
And it's usually because people aren't acting the way I want. You know, I've gone to, I've joked about this, that, you know, here's the truth. I could give you the play and the script and you could read it just like I wrote it. But I can promise you, you aren't going to say it right. You aren't going to do the drama the way I wanted it done, right? So it wouldn't even matter if people had all that because things aren't going the way I want them to go. Live people, whatever. You know, and I've always thought, well, most of the time that I'm self-virtuous, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to make you happy. I'm just trying to help you, especially now I'm in a 12-step program. Can't you see how I'm trying to help you, right? And I had somebody challenging me as a sponsor one time who didn't have children, so I was pretty sure she had no idea what she was talking about when she said, you know, you just want your son to be happy because it makes you comfortable. I'm like, uh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not a mom. You know, and yes, we want our kids to be happy. But when I'm trying to control things, the truth is, if my kids are happy, I'm happy. If I get all my little ducks in a row, things are great. You know, I'm not their higher power. I have to get out of their way. That's what I have to realize. Yes, I'm there to take care of them. They're adult children. But even when they're kids, I'm not their God. I have to let their life unfold and get out of the way. But, you know, that was a quite awakening. Is, you know, when I'm trying to make other people happy, it's not about people pleasing. I should think of the people pleaser. What that is, if you're pleased, I'm pleased. I'm doing it for self service, you know, for selfish motives, and I have to look at that. So today, my sponsors always challenge me, let the day unfold, let people be who they are, you know, just look at my own stuff, and it's so hard. But you know what? Today, I'm willing to do the work because I'm tired of being uncomfortable. I want what this program has to offer, and guess what? I'm finally getting it. Grateful to be here. Thank you, Katie, and I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. Okay, next up, we have Annie M., followed by Kathy Jo P., Good morning, Adini. Thank you so much, Katie, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Adini M., and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. For me, this was my turning point of doing something different. So I'm going to let go of what was harming me and grab onto God's hand and others. Please help me. I don't have to compete with God anymore and resist because I now am convinced. I have enough proof. I have been persuaded that I can't solve this allergy of the body and this obsession of the mind alone. I need help from God and from my recovered fellows. I'm listening. I'm being humble because I don't know what I don't know because what I have done in the past never worked for me. I need a new way of thinking so I can do differently. It's, become, it's like becoming a child once again, but this time taking hold of God's hand as I would with a parent and allow him to guide me. It is totally surrendering to God. It's the beginning of that. It's as if I'm blind and I can't see where I'm walking, and so I take hold of one's hand and I trust them to lead me to where I'm going. It's the same thing. Now I can be disciplined by God's way and not by my desires or my way of thinking. That never worked for me. Uh, I'm so hungry to be healed. I was willing to do anything. I am believing and trusting in God and my fellows because I had no other choice. I want to see what others see. I want to feel what it means to be recovered and really connected with God and my fellows and others. I want to hear the right words that will change my thinking to do the right thing. I'm willing to walk on a new path. Guide me. Show me. I'm willing to go to any lengths and believe in a power greater than myself. 
Now I'm making that decision to listen to God and to others. What they're telling me and showing me a different way of living. This is all good news because I don't have to figure this out anymore. Just listen and do and become as God would have me be. This is the sacred shift from I to we. I was so convinced. I hope you can be too. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Edini M. All right, next up we'll have Kathy Jo P. followed by Anita J. Good morning, Kathy Jo. Good morning, Katie G. Thank you for your service today. This is Kathy Jo P., a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. And um, one of the biggest, it probably is the biggest transformation that's happened for me in this program is in the relationship with my mother. And I never dreamed that that would ever happen. I always thought that we would never be at peace together and that I would never um, have her love, (laughs) that she would never love me the way that I wanted her to love me. And through the work of these steps in this program, I have learned that it's first, God is the one that needs to love me and I need to let him love me. And it's my job to love my mother. And our relationship has changed so much that when we do our goodbyes after trips, there are um, not a bunch of tears because we had screaming matches or I swore at her or threw things towards her because that's how I showed up in the past with my mom. Eleven days ago, I had open heart surgery and my mom came here to care for me. She dressed me, she bathed me, she waited on me, she cleaned, and we said goodbye this morning, and she's she's taken a bus back to Omaha from Minneapolis, and as we said goodbye, she told me, God kept me on this earth because he knew that I have a lot of work to do in the next 30 years, and I said, Mom, what do you mean by that? What kind of work? And she said, teaching other people to be close to God and to be nicer. And if that is not a witness of what I'm trying to do in this program, and that my mom said that to me during a time of, you know, a hard time where I had a lot of pain and fear that we ended up with a tender goodbye is a beyond belief miracle. And the other thing is, There was a moment I did a 10-step while she was here, and what I learned in that 10-step is my job is not to tolerate my mom. My my job is to relish and delight in my mom, and God is helping me to do that, and I am receiving so many gifts because of that, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Jo P. Next up, we'll have Anita J. followed by Cindy M. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. My name is Anita Jay, and I'm recovered in Massachusetts. This step three, this step three, I've taken so many times. I mean, the one where you totally surrender, not the one I did every time I wrote or every morning. It's the total surrender and how scary that felt. I didn't realize 
how scary it was that I preferred jet propulsion, self-will, and that would carry me so far, over and over and over. 36 years, can you believe it? Just trying it for a while. It was, you know, that I learned to swim with one foot still on the on the uh, pool bottom um, because it was so scary to just let go, let go. And it took me two, two years to finally put that other foot. Well, two years now compared to 36 is, is like a big improvement. But what was I so afraid of? What a relief. You know, God kept telling me, I can handle your little part of the world without you. Really, trust me, trust me. I've been doing this a lot longer than you've been on this earth. I couldn't. Are you sure, God? Are you sure? I mean, I never said that out loud. You understand that. But the thing is, the thing I was most afraid of has been such such a relief, and it opened the door to truly a recovery that I had no idea. And don't they say that? Rocketed into the fourth dimension. I mean, obviously, I don't know what the fourth dimension is. Now I've been living it. I, I can't get over it. But it's with gratitude. It's with gratitude, and it starts with the solid step one and the solid step two and the solid step three. That's what I was so afraid of. Turned out to just be smoke. That was a lie being told to myself over and over and over. And now I just say to that liar in there, thank you for your share. Please sit down. And I listened to real recovery. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Anita J. Next up, we'll have Cindy M. Cindy, go ahead. Good morning. This is Cindy M. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> I love this part of the book because it makes it, for one thing, I think it's just amazing that Bill had the insight to understand um, and see human nature for what it was, us all trying to control each other and get what we want. And if we're not getting it by being mean, we'll be nice. And if we're not getting it by being nice, we'll be mean. And, you know, we'll just, I I don't know. It's like he knew me and he wrote about me in these pages. And, and I, I didn't even, the, the thing about it was I didn't even realize myself that that's what was going on. I just, um, I just did it. And, and um, because I, you know, you're, you're trying to be a better person. You know, I, I was, a um, I was in a faith based thing since I was 19 and I, um, and I tried to follow um, God as, as well as I could, I tried to be, you know, doing what, what I was instructed to do. And I was failing all the time and I didn't, and I just, I just thought, I, I don't know why I'm not getting it. Everybody else is getting it, but I'm not getting it. And I, you know, I would, 
I would try these different things, and then I, in frustration, really, I would try the nice one, and then in frustration, I would turn to the mean one, and and you know, well, I'll do it God's way. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, I'll do it my way, and both ways were really my way, and um, and I, I mean, the insight that Bill had just totally amazes me, and I can see myself for for the person I am and I don't have to condemn myself to um, because this is what human people do and but I can see that what it really means to depend on God and uh, you know when we ask God you know when we say my creator um, I'm going to give you all of me good and bad um, you know we realize that we don't have to judge ourselves that's the hard part. It's like this constant judgment that comes in and I have to remind myself that I'm a human being and that I always need God's help and that that's okay. And, and that there's all, he's always here or it's always here, whatever, however you want to refer to your higher power. Um, Always, always, always is here ready and, and, um, I really like it that I can laugh at myself now instead of condemning myself constantly. Not that I can laugh at myself when I um, am a nasty person. Time, please. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, but I can let it go and not condemn myself anymore. So I won't condemn you either. So thank you for listening, and thank you all for being there. Uh, I thank can't. you. Thanks, Cindy. We probably have time for about two, two and a half minute shares. Uh, We're on page 60 with the third paragraph, being convinced through two paragraphs, ending with more likely to have varied traits. Who would like those two positions? Lynn Lynn and Donna. Okay, we'll start with Lynn and then we'll go to Donna G. Lynn S., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered uh, compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. And these paragraphs really speak to me. And I can remember when I was reading them and I'd have tears coming out of my eyes. And I, to be, for the life of me, I couldn't understand what was wrong with it. Like, yes, that's the way life should be. I don't get it. You know, and what I really don't get is why is the book telling me this is a problem? Because this is really it. I couldn't see it. And, and I, you know, it says that the disease is cunning, baffling, powerful. And sometimes I find recovery that way too. But thank God, thank God with program. The, you know, I never got anything in program by working for it. Just like I never got anything before program by working for it. But... By working the steps, putting the food down, putting the binge behaviors down, and every day working the program the way it's outlined in the book, stuff got removed, and I was able to see more clearly. And it's always in hindsight. I hear myself saying something different. I see myself reacting differently. I don't have to have everybody doing what I want. I'll never forget the first time I was running in circles so excited to realize we were having a difference of opinion, and it was okay. It wasn't life-threatening. I am so grateful for this program, and with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Lynn S. All right, Donna G., please go ahead. Hi, this is Donna G., uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Um, I first got introduced to this paragraph in the big book um, from a, a sibling of mine, a sister in recovery, and she really, really loved this paragraph, and she would refer to it a lot. And when she talked about it, I just I would say to myself, well, that's not me. Every time she would say, you know, I'm the I'm the actor, I'm the running the show, and I'm and I'm like, well, that's not me. That's not me at all. And um, now that I'm in program, and now that I have my higher power, has really helped me to understand um, who I am, what I am, what I was. <laughs> um, I see that the reason I never thought it was me is because I thought I was not controlling. That I'm just the opposite. I don't want to tell anybody what to do. I don't want to control anyone because I don't like to be controlled. So I don't want to control anybody. But the way I did that, because I wanted to isolate and have everybody leave me alone and literally live in a vacuum, is that if somebody it did interact with me at all, <laughs> I was irritable. I was miserable because I just, I literally just, even a boss, I didn't want a boss to tell me what to do. I don't want anybody to have, basically, no one have interaction with me. This just let me be in a bubble um, because that's where I feel ease and comfort in a bubble eating. And um, it's just crazy to me to think that I didn't see myself as controlling because, or trying to run the show because my show was, I'm in a bubble vacuum eating. And if that doesn't go the way it's supposed to, um, I'm going to um, be annoyed, be irritable, maybe be pleasant, but um, do whatever I can to get back to that to that state and get you out of my face. Um, so yeah, I just uh, I just wanted to share that. It kind of it made me laugh thinking that I used to think when my sister would say, um, I, and I never saw her that way either because she's a very polite, nice person. Um, so, and I still don't really see her that way, but I'm sure she has a better understanding um, of how she runs the show. Um, it's just amazing um, what God will reveal. But um, anyhow, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Donna G. Thanks for everyone who made this wonderful meeting possible today. Really glad for your service. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today, Monday, October 14, is 13,515. That's 13515. <clears throat> we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Russ M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, Katie. Russ Sam Recover Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. 
Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.